All right, you ready for some word? You ready for some good word? You ready for some meat of the word? Are you, are you, you got your steak knife with you today. We don't got no sippy cups this morning. Y'all better be ready. Y'all ready? Okay, all right. We're, uh, we're in a, ser- a sermon series called um, Forward in Hope. And we're kind of supposed to be transitioning into uh, forward in Thanksgiving because, you know, that season is coming up. It's like two and a half weeks. Is that right? It's Thanksgiving? It's like, Lordy mercy, y'all better get ready. And um, you better just buy a turkey now. Who knows? There may be a turkey shortage before it comes along. I'm going to go out and get me a turkey, freeze that thing. Uh, but but I, I was supposed to be transitioning into that. But this week as I was praying about it, you know, i got to preach what God tells me to preach, you know. And, and whenever people try to tell me what to preach, I just tell them, here's a line, get in it. And God's first in that line. And after he's finished telling me, maybe if you don't tell me nothing, I'll listen to you. But, but I, I just felt this week, I couldn't get these two phrases off my mind. Hope deferred and hope against hope. I'm trying to study on Thanksgiving, okay? And, and I got an outline, and I'm, I'm ready to begin studying on, on Thanksgiving. But, but, but these two phrases, and I, I immediately knew what these two phrases meant because they're Bible verses. Um, Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Romans 4, 18 says, In hope against hope, Abraham believed. So that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken, that which God has spoken to him. And, and so as I was thinking about that, praying about that, and those two phrases, I just felt that I'm just going to have to continue this series one more week and preach a message called Hope Against Hope. Abraham de- dealt with hope deferred because of a seemingly hopeless, seemingly hopeless situation. And, and we're going to learn from his example what to do with hope deferred, and what to do when situation seems hopeless. What to do when you feel there is no hope. This is, this is hopeless. What do I do? We're going to learn from Abraham today because all of us face hope deferred. Hope deferred just means hope, hope delayed, hope prolonged. I've been hoping and praying for this for, for days, weeks, months, years, decades, uh, uh, and, and it never happens. All, all of us face situations that seem hopeless, right? Am I the only one? That, does anybody else just lift your hand if you've ever faced a hopeless situation? You don't have to look at anybody next to you, uh, but just uh, we faced a hopeless situation. And many people stop, hold, stop hoping when they feel like they've had to wait too long. And some people stop hoping for anything when they, when they really can't deal with the disappointment of hope deferred. And because what they've been expecting hasn't happened, they just keep lowering their expectation. Uh, and, and, and remember, faith, hope is faith for the future. It's faith for the future. By, by the way, you, do you know you can't have faith without hope? What does Hebrews 11.1 1 say? Now, faith is of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith and hope go together. Hope is faith for the future. It's confidently believing something will happen in the future because God said it. Not because you made it up. Not because you dreamed it up. Not because it's a fantasy of yours. Because God said it. That's the key here. 
to the, to the point that and you, you begin to prepare for it. But when you lose hope, you stop preparing for anything good to happen. Listen to me. Some of y'all have stopped preparing for anything good. Uh, you're just preparing for bad. And when you get to that place, it means you've lost any hope. All you're expecting is bad things to happen. So how do we have hope when things seem hopeless? We're going to learn today from the life of Abraham what to do in a hopeless situation. And, and I'm going to give you the backstory first. I, I can't assume everybody knows this whole story. So I'm going to read a kind of a lot of scripture today about Abraham's story because you may know part of it and some of you may probably know all of this, but some people it'll be new to them. And it's, it's a refresher for you if you haven't heard it for a while, okay? I'm not going to ask anybody when's the last time you read Genesis. So I'm, going to, I'm just going to read you some, <laughs> probably a good portion of it this morning. But uh, Genesis 12, 1 and 2. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. We'll always have the passages up on the screen. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. He hadn't shown him yet. Sometimes God's directions to you seem kind of vague. And you've got to come to the place where you, you can walk by faith and not by sight. God just told him, you know, move on out, and, and I'm going to lead you. We'll get you where you need to go. We want, it, we want the whole journey mapped out in front of us. I'm talking to somebody today. You're waiting for the whole map. You want a GPS. I, I, I love doing that. I, I, you don't have to worry about getting lost no more. If you're getting lost today and we're driving around, you are without excuse. Because all you got to do is get your GPS, if you have one on your phone, enter in where you're going, and it's going to show you every step of the way. You can look at it. In 1.8 miles, you're going to turn right. In 3.7 miles, you're going to turn left. In 4.2 miles, you're going to keep going straight. We want that from God. God, what's going to happen in 3.7 years? What's going to happen in 4.2 minutes? What, what we want that all lined out. And sometimes God just says, go! And in the going, I will show you the way. And I'm going to make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. This is a promise from God. I will make you into a great nation. Saying you're going to have uh, children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. It's going to become a, a whole nation. And Abraham, was, uh, uh, who is actually Abram at this point, he was 70 years old when he got this promise from God. A few chapters later in Genesis 15, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? You have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. You ever felt that way with God? Like, God, I believe for this, I believe for this, I believe for this, and I'm going to have to settle for something way less than I believed in. Am I the only one? Am I talking to myself this morning? Because I'm sure not hearing nobody amen in me. I'm going to look. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for an amen. I think there's one around here somewhere. Is there one under there? Okay. Sometimes we, we just think, oh, God, I'm, I'm going to have to settle for somebody else getting this blessing. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. But a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring, offspring be. And this is a great passage in the Bible. It's repeated in the New Testament. It's why Abraham is a father of faith. Abraham believed the Lord, and he, God, credited it to him for right, as righteousness. Faith 
Because he had faith, he got credit into his account for righteousness. It wasn't his own righteousness. It was righteousness that comes through a faith. Well, time kept going by, and hope kept getting deferred, and it kept taking a long time. So in the very next chapter, which is probably years later in Genesis 6, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar, so she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I will build a family through her. And the Bible just says, Abram did what she said. He's like, Okay. That's what you think I ought to do. I'm not, I'm not so sure about it, but you're my wife. If you're telling me that's what I need to do, I mean, as much as I hate it, I'm going to go. Hear me closely. Listen. Trying to fulfill a promise from God in your own way and in your own wisdom, like you're going to help God out. Like God, here, let me show you how to do it. God, God I, I got a way. You're not, your way is not working. Let me, let me show you what to do. Listen to me. It never works. Never works. In fact, it only causes greater problems. From the moment Hagar got pregnant, she despised. The Bible says from the moment she got pregnant, she despised Sarai. And there became great tension to the point that she, she, she ran off at one time. God had to get a hold of her and send her back. And then Sarai blamed Abram. For something that was her idea. Now, baby, if I recall, you can read it right there in Genesis. If I recall, it wasn't written yet. If I recall, it was your idea. Then I'm sure she said, well, you didn't have to do it, you know. And by the way, he shouldn't have. Some people get confused when they read the Bible. Well, Abraham, you know, he went out and went with this other person. And David, you know, he done that. And I mean, just because somebody did something in the Bible doesn't mean it was the right thing to do. These things were written for our examples, not just in the right things to do, but also showing us what not to do. And taking matters into your own hand and going against the word of God, even if it's the word of your spouse, you better go with the word of God. You bet. I know it's going to make life difficult, but believe me, life got really difficult when Abraham just did what his wife said rather than listening to God. And that caused so much problems in their life. And that son Ishmael, God promised to bless Abraham's seed. So God blessed Ishmael. And Ishmael is the father of the Arab people who became Muslims. They go back to Abraham, but they, they consider it, it's through Ishmael. Not, not through uh, the, uh, the Abraham seed, but through Ishmael's seed. And, and think of the bloodshed and the terror and all that has happened because, because of hope deferred caused Abraham and Sarah to take matters into their own hands and try to help God out in, in, in causing something to happen. Listen, I'm trying to warn you today. Be forewarned. Never try to bring a promise about, uh, from God about in your own strength, in your own wisdom, in your own time. Yes, there will be things for you to do as God tells you, but don't take it upon yourself to try to say, all right, God, let me show you how to do it. All right, you with me? So even more years go by. And in Genesis 17, 
when Abram was 99 years old. This is 29 years after that promise. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, which meant father or exalted father. You will be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. Abraham means a father of many nations or a father of a multitude, a father of a great many. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you will no longer call her Sarah. You will call her, her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a, a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings, kings of peoples will come to her. Now listen, Abraham fell face down and he laughed. I love the Bible. I love the Bible's real about people. And he said to himself, will the son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to, and Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Abraham said, okay, it's probably not happening. I already got a son named Ishmael. Can he just have your blessing? And the Lord said, yes, he did bless Ishmael. Ishmael. But... Your wife Sarah will bear you a son. You will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. That is the nation of Israel to this day. That is the people of Israel and the Jewish people. God said, I'm going to bless them with an everlasting covenant. After even more waiting, Genesis 18, 10 through 15 says, The Lord said, the Lord had appeared to, to Abraham, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So, Ab so Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my master is old, I will now have this pleasure. You ever felt that? You know what? I've been praying for this for 47 years. <laughs> I mean, if I get it now, am I really going to be able to enjoy it? I mean, it's almost like it's too late. And the Lord said to Abraham, why does Sarah laugh? And say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? And this is God saying, is anything too hard for the Lord? I'll return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid. She's afraid because God read her mail. God knew, and so she lied. Don't keep, listen. <laughs> the first rule of getting out of a hole, stop digging. God's talking to you. Why'd you laugh? I didn't laugh. We well, said, yes, you did laugh. And that story kind of ended right there. What are you going to say at that point? You got me. But, you know, I, I love the Bible because it's so real about people's lives. And here is Abraham, the father of our faith, and Sarah, who, 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 who laughed at this point because they felt the situation was hopeless. Hope had been deferred for so long. It was, to them, it was a, a really serious. Come on, get serious here. It shows how unbelievable and, 
and impossible and hopeless this situation was to them. But in Genesis 21, finally, after all these years, the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God had promised him, Abraham gave the, gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. So 30 years after God told Abram that he would be the father of a great nation, he finally has a son. Years and years, decades of hope deferred, years and years and decades of problems which they brought upon themselves for trying to help God out the situation. After all of this, what can we learn from Abraham and Sarah about how to deal with hopeless situations? Well, the Bible gives us the key to that in the New Testament in Romans chapter 4, verses 17 through 22, talking about Abraham in this chapter. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. That was the promise to Abraham. In the presence of him who he believed, talking about Abraham believing, even God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who against all hope, hope against hope, in hope believe. Even when there was no evidence for hope, even when it seemed like it's wrong to hope, in hope he believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what God had promised he was able to perform. Amen. <clears throat> All right, now I need, you to, I need you to switch into overdrive and listening right now because we're going to look at this example and see six things that we can learn from this example of Abraham of what to do when we feel hopeless. Number one, to have hope. Like Abraham, we must believe the Word of God. Abraham believed the Word of God. Even when he laughed at it sometimes, even when he had evidence to the contrary, he came to the place of faith in God's word. And when God gives us a promise, listen, when God gives us a promise, Satan will make sure there's other options for us to consider. Options that are contrary to God's promise. That's why we have so many Ishmaels running around in our lives. He comes along with, uh, with other options. Well, you know, that's going to take too long. Well, that's not going to work. Maybe you should try this. But let's not consider the other options. Let's choose the will of God at, at, when those other options come to us. Let's defeat the enemy in the name of Jesus. Only God should be the source of our hope and our expectation. Listen, we can, some of us have expectations that our family put on us. Some of us have hopes that we put on ourselves. But sometimes we have unrealistic expectations. Sometimes we have personal fantasies rather than words from God. God's not obligated to fulfill a personal fantasy. God's not obligated to fulfill something you came up with on yourself. God, God's not obligated to make happen something that just you in your flesh wanted to make happen. God himself must be the source of that expectation. The psalmist said in Psalm 62.5, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Only God should be the source of our expectation. And when God is the source of our expectation, we cannot be moved off of it. We know that we've heard from God, and we're going to stand in faith believing. We're going to fight the fight believing. Having done all, we're going to stand because we know we got a word from God. 
Even if we have to wait, and you will have to wait. Let me just tell you, you're going to have to wait. Waiting is part of God's process. It's part of God's maturing process. We just preached on that for, for weeks there on dealing with problems and coming into the, the, the promised land and coming uh, out of the wilderness and how, about how God uses waiting as part of, uh, part, of the pro- part of the process. Listen, David had to wait 12 years after he was anointed as king to when he actually became king. Noah, you know, God told Noah, build an ark, it's going to rain. It was a hundred years later. We think he built him a boat in a couple months and then started a hundred years before it started to rain. Abraham had to wait 30 years before he received this son that God had promised. And God was working in them. God was working on them through that time of waiting. So please don't don't fret over the time of waiting because God is working you. And remember, the intensity of what God wants to do through you will determine the the, the intensity of your preparation. If you're going to do something little in life, it only takes a little preparation. But if God's going to do something big, you wonder why you've been waiting, why it's so long, why it's so hard. God wants to do something, something big in you. So, so trust the timing of God. And, and this, could, it, it could be, who, who knows, it could be one year. You could be one year, one month, one week, one day, one hour away from a sudden move of God in your life. You never know when that suddenly, the Bible said, and suddenly this happened. That suddenly happens after about 30, 40, or 100 years of waiting. We want the suddenly without the waiting. But so embrace the preparation time. It's not a waste of time. God is working in it. Trust in the promise and the word of God. Secondly, trust in the character and the power of God. Abraham believed in the word of God. He believed in the power of God. He believed in the reliability of God. Romans 4, 17 said he believed God who gives life to the dead and caused those things which do not exist as though they did. He believed that God had the power to bring life out of death. He believed God caused those things which are not that as though they are. And this is an important principle because some people miss this. This does not say that to call things that are as though they are not. You got to get the distinction. For instance, think about when God created the world. God, how did he create it? He spoke it. He spoke the world into existence. Think about when he created light. God just didn't begin confessing, there's no darkness, there's no darkness. I'm confessing that all the darkness is gone. There's no darkness. No, he said, let there be light. He called that which was not into existence by his word. He called the thing that was not as though it was. And I've had friends in the past who, who never would admit it when they were sick. They thought it would be a bad confession or, or unbelief. But, but faith is not denial about a situation. But it is confessing the truth of God's word about that situation. Listen, denial does not work. I mean, there's whole faiths and religions based on that, like Buddhism or even Christian science where they, you know, all sickness is a myth. It's not really there. It's not really happening. But the Bible, if you read the Bible, it says there was a man who was blind. There was a man who was lame. There was a man with a withered hand. There was a woman with an issue of blood. It declared what their their problems were. And and whenever Jesus healed somebody, he would almost always ask them, what do you want to do? What do you want me to do for you? And if it would be like some of my friends I've had in the past, they would have said, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean do for me? I'm not sick. I'm not confessing no sickness. I'm okay. But those who got healed by Jesus admitted their blindness and said, I want to see. They admitted their paralysis and said, 
I want to walk. It took faith in Jesus, and it took speaking what they wanted him to do. And likewise for us today, it takes faith in Jesus, receiving a word from him, and then speaking it in faith. Abraham had, Abraham had to do that. Think about this. He, when he had no kids, he had no kids, and he, and, and he had to tell everybody, um, by the way, my name's changing. And I can see people like right now, like, yeah, you better change that name. What's your name? Daddy, father, you ain't got no kids. You better change your name to something else. I, I get it. Change that name from Abram. He's, what, what are you changing it to? Imagine they're shocked and said, oh, I'm changing it to Abraham. What? You ain't got no kids. Are you changing your name from father to father of a multitude? Father of many nations, that would be tough to do. But Abraham had to choose to speak in faith. Every time somebody, he told somebody, call me Abraham, it was a declaration of faith in the promise of God. Call me the father of many nations. I'm the father of many nations. I know I don't got no kids, but God promised me a, a, a multitude like the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. Call me the father of many. And we've got to do the same thing. 2 Corinthians 4, 13 says, We have the same spirit of faith as he who had wrote, I have believed, therefore I spoke. We too believe, therefore we speak. If you believe something, you're going to speak it. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope, the confession of our hope without wavering. Remember that word waver. We're going to talk about it more. For he who promised is faithful. And the word for confession is homologeo. It comes from two words. It, it literally means to speak the same word, to speak the same as another, to speak the same as whom? See, that's where you choose. God wants you to agree with his word. Satan wants you to agree with his word. God wants you to say what he is saying. Satan wants you to say what he is saying. Your words either agree with God or they agree with Satan. You either say what God says or you say what Satan says. And if you want to have hope in hopeless situations, you've got to begin to speak what God says. Listen, it's not enough to just read the word or know the word or study the word. You must speak the word of God. You can't even get saved without speaking the word. Romans 10.10 says, with the heart one believes to righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. It's important to act on our, our faith and act on the word of God, even as Abraham did, and begin to call those things that are not as though they are. When we got a word from God and a promise of God, so if you're feeling weak in hope, do what Joel 3.10. Here's what Joel 3.10 says, let the weak say, I am strong. I am strong. No, you're not strong in your own strength. No, but you're, you're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen. Number three, to have hope. Refuse to focus on things that are contrary to God's word. Abraham did not consider his own body. He was dead. Romans 4.19. Not, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Already dead. He was about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. And so like it was physically impossible for them to have a baby. And obviously Abraham knew that. But what he saw in the natural was not as important as what he heard from God. God's word, God's promise. You've got to walk by faith, not by sight. You've got to focus on the word of God. So what dead thing have you been considering? What dead marriage? What dead end job? What dead promise? What dead vision have you been thinking about? And people waver when they begin considering things that they should not be considering. And instead of considering the other options, we should be like Abraham, fully convinced that God, what God has promised, God is able to perform. 
Number four, to have faith, count the promises of God as done, even when they're not done in the natural. Abraham saw himself as a father of many nations, and he told everybody to call me father of many nations, even before he ever had a baby. He expected it to happen. He did not waver in doubt. And you've got to count the promises as done even before you see them done. Number five, to have hope. Do not waver through unbelief. I told you we were going to talk about wavering again. Romans 4.20 says, He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Abraham was facing what looked like a hopeless situation, but he did not waver in unbelief. He believed in hope because he was fully persuaded that God is going to do what God said he would do. Listen, when we, are, when we waver, that means we're only partially persuaded. You've got to be fully persuaded to not waver. If there's any partial persuasion, you're going to waver in unbelief. And if Abraham had wavered in unbelief, it never would have come to pass. The the promise would never have come to pass. How do I know that? Because James 1, 6 through 8 says, when we ask God for something, we must ask in faith with no wavering, no hesitating, no doubting. For the one who wavers, hesitates and doubts, is like a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not think they will receive anything from the Lord. For they are double-minded, unstable, unreliable, and uncertain about everything they think and do. Double-mindedness will keep you from, from receiving the promise of God. Abraham received this promise because he had hope and he did not waver. He was strengthened in his faith and he gave glory to God. That's my last point. To have hope, strengthen your faith and give glory to God. And one of the ways Abraham, one of the things Abraham did was he gave glory to God before the promise was fulfilled. He gave glory to God because he was fully persuaded. And because he was fully persuaded, he strengthened his faith. He strengthened in his faith. He called it forth. He spoke it forth. He prayed it. He believed it. He had other people calling it. Call me Abraham. And the Christian life, listen, it starts with hope and it results in praise. That's why Pastor Deb opened the service today with Psalm 71, 14. As for me, I will always have hope, and I will praise you more and more. This is one of the ways you know that you are maturing in your faith. When you are maturing in your faith and maturing in your faith, you always have hope. And you never stop praising. And in fact, your praise is always increasing. I want to ask him, uh, are you losing hope? Or are you always having hope? Is your praise decreasing? Or is your praise increasing? If you're struggling with hope, if you're struggling with faith, if you're struggling with your ability to praise, the first thing you need is a word from God. Listen, if you hear anything in this situation, it's all based on you hearing from God. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen, when you know you've heard from God, it's hard for me to go after something if I haven't heard from God on it. It's hard for me. But if I get a word from God, man, I will, I will, I will chase against hell with a water pistol if I got a word from God. 
I'll go up to the gates of hell with a water pistol if I know God sent me there. Faith comes by hearing and hearing with, from the word of God. Don't waver through unbelief. Don't let waiting discourage you. Take hold of the promise of God. Don't let go. The Bible's word for expectation literally means a cord, a C-O-R-D, something you tie up something with, something that binds you. What should your expectation and hope be bound to? Your expectation and hope must be bound to the word of God, the promises of God. The promises of God are true, and his plans for you are good. So strengthen your faith through the word of God. Strengthen your faith through praying in the Holy Ghost. Strengthen your faith and give God glory. And like God, Abraham, give, Abra- give God glory before you see your answer. Begin to thank God now for what he's going to do. Call for those things that are not as though they are. Have hope when it seems like all hope is gone even when it looks like things are dead. The God, have faith in God who gives life. God gives life to dead things, life to dead relationships and dead careers and dead dreams. No matter what happens, hope against hope. No matter how long it takes, hope against hope. Even when it looks hopeless to you, hope against hope. And express that hope by giving glory to God now. Praise him in the waiting and your faith will strengthen in Jesus' name. So if you're hoping for something... If you're hoping for something, I want you to stand to your feet. Begin to give God glory. Come on, begin to give God glory. You've been waiting for a long time. You've been believing for a long time. You haven't seen it with your eyes, but you've seen it with eyes of faith. Begin to come on, give him some praise. Give him some praise. Give him some praise. Give him some glory. Give him some honor. Give him some worship. Praise him like you mean it. Praise him like you're going to see what God has promised in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Man, I wish my voice wasn't going out on me. I might get to sing in there for a minute. And I made it through to the very end. I've had a sore throat lately. I said, God, let me preach this sermon without holding back. Thank you, Jesus, for doing it. So what's God saying to you? Hey, what's he saying to you? He's speaking. He's speaking. Come on. Don't walk out of here just saying that's a good sermon. What's God saying to you? What's his word to you? If you don't have a word, here's the word. Get a word. Get a word. Get a word from God. Get a word from God down in your spirit. Get it in your heart. Get it in your mind. Get it in your mouth. Begin to speak it. Begin to believe it. Begin to sing it. Begin to say it. Begin to pray it. Begin to war over it. Get a word from God. Lord God, right now in the name of Jesus, for everyone who's seeking you for a word, God, I ask you to speak clearly to them. Remove all distractions. Remove all other voices. God, and I pray, God, that you would speak through a dream, through a vision, through, your, through the Bible, through another person. You would confirm that words with, with, with prophetic gifts and words of knowledge and words of wisdom. Uh, look, God, but I pray for a sure word from you. God, shut the mouth of the enemy. Speak clearly to your people. And I pray when they hear that word, hope would arise again. God, some people had a word... I just say, I just hearing this. Somebody got a word years ago and you let it go. You just let it go. Hope deferred caused you to let it go. And the word of the Lord is pick that word back up. Pick that word back up. Believe it. And give God glory for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Woo! Yeah! Y'all got a song for us? Thank you so much for being here today. 
Hey, listen, all this starts when you're a child of God. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, today's the day of salvation. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down. If you need prayer to receive Jesus as your Savior, if you need prayer to be filled with the Spirit, if you've lost hope and you want somebody to pray with you, if you need a word from God, you want somebody to pray with you, if you want to pray for somebody else, whatever it is, we want to pray and see the hand of God move in your life. Thanks for being here today. Love you all so much. We're going to sing one more song and we'll be dismissed.